Today, we'll touch on the Adobe Content Analytics issue, a bit of Flickr Pro drama, big movie shot on film, and a really interesting firmware from Canon. It's January the 27th, 2023, and you're listening to Tips from the Top Floor, episode 929. Tips from the top, from the top floor, tips from the top, all right, from the top floor. Hey, hello and welcome. How are you doing? Here is a fresh episode of Tips from the Top Floor. I'm Chris, and uh, let's dive right in. Um, just to kick this off, just a quick update regarding the September Eastern European Photo Tour. It's uh, slowly filling up. Well, f- faster on one side. I'm doing uh, I'm doing two tours in September, touching Berlin, Dresden, Prague, Vienna, Budapest, and Transylvania. That's like a lot of Eastern European culture and history and great photography over the course of ten days. Uh, the first of the two tours starting in Berlin, that one has one spot left, so that is almost full. And the second tour starting in Transylvania mid-September and ending in Berlin, that one has two spots left. So don't delay and let me know if you have any questions. I'd be happy to hop on a quick video call with you. Of course, you can find everything at discoverthetopfloor.com and uh, yeah, hope to see you there. All right, let's dive into the topics. Adobe denies AI training with your pics. Yes, uh, I think in 927, I uh, I brought up the suspicions that Adobe uses your cloud pictures for uh, their AI training. And if you look under under Adobe, and that, by the way, came from uh, Petapixel, if you look under Adobe's, uh, under your Adobe account, you can uh, find that switch in the privacy area, and uh, it seems to be on by default. And it says, content analysis. Adobe may analyze your content using techniques such as machine learning to develop and improve our products and services. If you prefer that Adobe not analyze your files, you can opt out of content analysis at any time. So yeah, you can opt out means it's, opt in, uh, it's, it's opted in by default. And then there's a switch where you can... Uh, turn that off, and I, I personally, I had that switched off like right from the start. It's it's something I do with apps and operating systems and services and stuff. That basically, I have a when when I get something new, I basically I have a quick look through the privacy settings, and I I will uncheck training related uh, tracking related things, and that's what I did with Adobe. So and years ago, so. And I didn't have any reason to suspect that this was re-enabled. And it wasn't. It was still off in my case. But many others have reported that it is on by default. Anyway, um, when that became apparent, and it does have the machine learning language in there, so Petapixel asked Adobe about this. And then when Adobe didn't answer, they posted their speculation that that would be used for um, training like the generative AI photo stuff. But uh, after that speculation, Adobe was like, ah, we might want to answer this. And they did answer. And um, Petapixel posted a follow-up. I'm linking to that in the show notes. Pretty much Adobe told them, uh, and I quote, we give customers full control of their privacy preferences and settings. The policy and discussion is not new and has been in place for a decade to help us enhance our products for customers. For anyone who prefers their content be excluded from the analysis, we offer that option here. 
And they continue, when it comes to generative AI, Adobe does not use any data stored on customers' creative cloud accounts to train its experimental generative AI features. We are currently reviewing our policy to better define generative AI use cases. So according to that answer, they're not doing this. They're not using your cloud photos, the stuff that that you have in Creative Cloud to train their AIs. And uh, yeah, it's a clause that has been there in their terms for years. And I, I mean, I guess long before AI generators were even thought to be where they are today. Uh, so I, th- I think we'll leave them off the hook for now. But the, the, on- the answer also sounds like that might have given them the idea to maybe define that better in the future and tap into that data source. Anyway, so yeah, Adobe um, off the hook for now. Another bit of drama that uh, unfolded recently um, was around Flickr. We all we all know Flickr, right? The site, the 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 first, the original social network around photography, when there wasn't even the term social media out there. And um, what's your Flickr status? I mean, I'm still on the on the. Oh, on the pro account it's still the only ad-free big portal to host your photos if you have a pro account and pro means that as long as you pay for Flickr pro your visitors people watching looking at your photos are not going to see ads that's one one of the perks you get for paying Uh, others include like being able to host more photos and resolutions and so on anyway there was a bit of drama (laughs) over in the twitter land as if as if we'd need more drama on Twitter. Anyway, Thomas Hawk, photographer from San Francisco, I think San Francisco, and a long, long Flickr user wrote um, wrote this. Now that Flickr has added advertising to paid pro subscriptions, it's sad. It's sad that I can no longer promote Flickr as the best ad-free photo sharing site on the planet. And if if you, if you go into the um, policy in a uh, Twitter's po- uh, Flickr's policy uh, in December 2020 they they state our ad policy states ads should never appear when a free member or signed out user views a pro num- a pro member's account including their profile photo stream albums and photos and this includes when searching within a specific pro member's photos so what happened well um, has fl- <laughs> That's a big question. Has Flickr secretly changed their policy? Uh, and the, the answer is no, not really. In fact, uh, Thomas Hawk received an answer that same day from Alistair, Alistair Jolly of uh, Smugmug, who owns Flickr. Um, and he wrote, Hey, Thomas Hawk, sometimes in building new features, interim beta steps need to be taken to get to the final destination. Bear with us. So I guess what that means is that they introduced a bug while changing things on the back end and Thomas caught it and everything is good again. So yeah. There's there's two takeaways for me here. A um there is still development on Flickr, which is a good sign. And B, yeah, hold them accountable. I mean stuff slips through, things happen. I'd rather give them the benefit of the doubt, which is why I haven't reported on that here earlier, because it, didn't sound like it was a malicious thing more of a a, more of a mistake and uh, yeah social media are pretty good at holding others accountable at least those who care and uh, speaking of social media 
just a quick reminder that in addition to Twitter, um, you can also find me on Mastodon, just in case you've made the step over there and you're still looking for people to follow. Uh, my Mastodon handle is Chris Marquardt, Chris, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, as it is on Twitter. And uh, if you if you search, <laughs> you'll actually find two accounts with that handle. That's both me. One is on chaos.social, which is kind of my personal main account, where I post in English and German and just stuff that interests me. Some about photography, some not. And then there's uh, one on pixelfed.social, which is um, well, it's a kind of a platform... That does a bit of an Instagram thing, very photocentric, and that's where I post photos. So feel free to follow me on both of those. And uh, links are, of course, in the show notes. Film photographer Isabel Baldwin posted a, a nice Twitter thread about Oscar-nominated movies shot on Kodak film. And... It's, it's it's awesome because each of the posts has a bunch of stills from that film or from the from the respective film and a bit more information who directed it and so, uh, it who directed it and so on. Uh, it's fun to fun to go through, and it is a nice overview over the last well, let's say three years of Hollywood. So so it's not like an old thing and this historic film has been shot on Kodak. No 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 no, they still shoot big blockbusters on Kodak film. And here, I, there's just a few examples from that thread. Um, there are lots more, like Black Swan or The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Inception has been shot on Kodak film. The Avengers, Dunkirk, Django Unchained, and so on and so on. Um, film is not dead. No. And especially in Hollywood, it is not dead. Uh, not, not, and not only is it still like a, a viable production tool, it has some real advantages over the digital productions otherwise those directors wouldn't use it and one is, is of course the looks film looks still looks awesome looks amazing um but there's also more intangible things like i don't know film requires a certain way of working like a certain workflow in the in the shooting and in the production that that seems to be beneficial on some levels and I've seen several interviews with directors who shoot film and they pretty much all wouldn't want it any other way. And shoot, I mean, shooting film changes things and I've had that experience with uh, still photography. This, this, this very different medium fundamentally changes your approach and your, your outlook on photography. And while, while I shoot more digital than film um, these days, uh, which is mostly for convenience reasons... Uh, when I do shoot film, I end up with different results and with a different level of I'm um, happiness, for the lack of a better word, with my photography. And yeah, and yes, I'm a broken record, but uh, when when I shoot film, the process also moves a lot of the decisions um, to the beginning of the workflow, like this is the, the the decision on what film to shoot with. That's a decision on the look of the photos. That is out of the way when you shoot film because you made that decision. The choice of film informs what, like, what sensitivity you shoot with, which then in turn informs how you approach your photography for that role of film. So again, that's another decision that is already in the bag. And with a lot of the decisions 
there's plenty more, but with a lot of decisions taken care of in the beginning of the process, this will free up a lot of mental load during the shooting. That freed up, uh, freed up <laughs> part of your brain can so much better focus on the creative side of things and composition and timing on the like the right moment, the decisive moment, these kind of things, because you don't have to think about a lot of the other things anymore. And as a, when I shoot digital, many of those decisions happen have to happen after the fact when I edit the photos. Do I make it black and white? What what contrast do I? And so on and so on. And with every shot that I take on film, um, I'm I'm virtually done. It's yeah, it's it's in the bag, so to speak. So um, on digital, when I press the shutter, I'm creating additional work at the end of the process. And so it means I have to. Every time I press that shutter button, it means I have to add one additional decision to be taken later. So I'm piling up work in the future. And and of course, with film, the limited number of photos per roll, like that heightens the perceived value. And then you approach your photography differently because it, it simply counts more. So yeah, I'm a I'm a hundred. What the long story short, I'm hundred percent on board with all those movie directors and uh, and their DPs, their directors of photography who decide to shoot film because that's a good thing. And I'm happy that. Uh, by the way, I'm also happy because it has a definitely an influence on the availability of film because there are contracts in place for Hollywood between Hollywood and Kodak. Um, that they keep making film and that means they can uh, keep their production machinery going and oiled and whatever they have to do maintained. And then that means they can keep making film for us still photographers too. And that's a good thing. So yay for movies being shot on Kodak film. Awesome. All right, last but not least... um, this is an interesting one, and I didn't know about this, and I don't know, maybe everyone else knew about this, but I didn't. Uh, did you know that some Canon uh, mirrorless cameras, the R6 II, for example, the R6 Mark II, uh, you can order that with a different firmware, the stop-motion animation firmware? I I just recently came across that and was like, huh, what? And it's apparently been around for a few years, but it just completely escaped me. So here's the thing. Um there are there are things in these cameras that make it um not super comfortable for stop motion. And these are the cameras that stop motion is made with. Um so uh one thing for example is the live view. What you will use if you do stop motion photography is is often a tethered setup. So you have the camera hooked up via USB to a piece of software. Um, the one specifically supported here is is one of the kind of the, the standards in that field. It's called Dragon Frame, um, especially version five right now. And uh, the live view, the default live view that you get over the USB port is nine sixty times six forty. It's not a lot. That's if we should shoot tethered. That's what you get, and that's uh, makes it hard in uh, in a in a stop motion setup to uh, to to gauge the the sharpness and the focus and stuff like that. So um, the 
this this special firmware doubles that to 1920 by 1080 so to full hd which is uh quite helpful another feature in there is focus peaking i think you need an rf mount lens set to manual for that but then focus peaking that's the function that will highlight like with a color highlight the sharp edges in a photo so you can be sure that your focus is at the right spot another one is aperture lock which <laughs> what you normally have when you have when you shoot with a live view you have uh, the the aperture wide open if you don't shoot and then you can compose and get a lot of light into the camera but of course it does have a different aperture which means it does have a different depth of field and uh, again with an rf lens you um you have aperture lock in this specific firmware so it keeps the aperture where it needs to be so you look through the live view um, through that closed down aperture and you can judge things much better um and then another thing um is focus programming so just imagine you do a rack focus like you focus from one you focus from three feet to five feet over a time frame now try to do this in stop motion and it means you have every frame has to have a slightly different focus and it needs to be precise otherwise it looks jerky and uh yeah um with dragon frame five you can now um with that firmware you can program focus so you can have a rack focus in a scene and uh, get a much more like natural look i guess more film filmery look uh, movie type look um, yeah so <clears throat> it's interesting um, that firmware is available you can order I'm not sure if you can just you can just uh, load it onto an existing camera um, the cameras supported are the R the RP the R6 Mark II that's the list of cameras I've found um, also they have different uh, they, it has a bit of a drawback if you have the higher live view the higher resolution live view then you can't use hdmi out um unless it's the six mark two which then you can switch between higher uh or, or you can switch between hdmi out and stop motion mode again I, i'm not sure if you have to order the camera that way or if you can just download the firmware and put it on your camera but hey if, <laughs> if you're into stop motion then that is uh that's a pretty cool perk so Check that out. Link is in the show notes. All right, and that was it for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for leaving uh, a review or rating wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it helps to bring tips from the top floor to the attention of new people so yeah go on to your favorite platform itunes might be a good choice there and uh well it's not called itunes anymore it's got apple podcasts now um and leave a review all writing thank you as always you can leave feedback for the show at tfttf.com slash hi that's tfttf.com slash hi And thanks for all you supporters on Patreon. Um, again, Patreon is a small but enormously welcome source of income. And uh, you can start supporting this show and myself at $1 per episode. Thanks for supporting creators. Find out more at tfttf.com slash 
support. And a quick reminder, you can join us for the Eastern Photo Road Trip. Again, one spot for the tour from Berlin to Transylvania and two spots open from Transylvania to Berlin, all in September. Learn more at discoverthetopfloor.com. And now, go out and take amazing photos. Be nice to each other. And of course, happy shooting. Peace.